Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Sincerely Jada, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Jada Amoy. And if this is your very first time listening, this podcast is dedicated to learning and unlearning. So today's episode actually features one of my good friends, Tajay. And I love having my friends on the podcast because it's a good way to have a conversation that is both informative, but also fun. So we can get into the deep stuff, but also, you know, have our banter and our conversations. And I'm going to let him introduce himself, but I'll introduce the topic. So today we're going to be discussing childhood trauma, tough love, and those experiences you have as a child that kind of shape who you are and the way you process certain situations as an adult. So it's kind of a reflective but fun episode. And we also get into emotional intelligence. So discussing how our childhoods and how our different experiences impact the way that we navigate in relationships, friendships, etc. So just wanted to put a quick trigger warning. We're going to be dealing with, of course, childhood trauma, which can include forms of physical discipline. So if this may be a subject matter that is sensitive for you, or you may have had experiences that could potentially be triggered by the discussion, feel free to skip the episode. So just a reminder that if you're not already following the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen, whether that be Spotify, Apple Music, we are on all types of platforms, whether it be Google Podcasts, Amazon, we're also on iHeartRadio. But basically what I'm trying to say is you should be following the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen so that you never miss an episode. Also the podcast Instagram because at Sincerely Jada Pod is where you can find all the details as to what episodes are coming up, what guests we'll be having, as well as see some snippets of what you can expect. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. So Tajay, tell the people who you are and then maybe you can answer like a quick intro question. So tell them how we became friends from your point of view. What's going on, guys? Uh, my name is Tajay. Also, I go by the name TJ. I uh, make everybody's life a little bit easier because they always butcher my name. I even showed somebody my card and she said, okay, yeah, Tajay. I'm a car salesman. been doing that for a while now. Salesman of the year. Ooh. How did we become friends? Honestly, it was one of those where like we just had the same friend circle and then, you know, we just somehow got closer because you were kind of funny, like a little bit, just a little bit. So yeah, we just got kind of closer and then we started talking more and then yeah, we just became best friends after that. Then it was like a brother-sister thing. Oh, so nice. But yeah, from my point of view, yeah, we became friends in high school. Like you said, I was very funny, not just a little bit, but okay. And I think we were in the same law class too and we had an assignment and I was doing the whole assignment like you did not have at all. (laughs) You know those ones when, like, the person who doesn't help with the group project, they're asking you, okay, what's going on? Like, what lines should I say? (laughs) Our friendship now, I would say that I appreciate how we're not really friends who talk often. Like, we're Mm. we're not really small talk friends anymore. But I feel like whenever we have, like, a crisis, usually, or, like, just (laughs) something that you need advice for then we're able to have those conversations and like we talk like maybe four times a year now but when we talk (laughs) it's like a deeper conversation well i appreciate that like you know like pretty much what you just said because it's true um i guess most of it's my fault because of like work and stuff but when we do talk like you know you're not holding anything against me that we don't talk every single day like you could talk anytime and you know it's always um, the same love for each other you know no matter what stuff like that changes over time and you know you need people who can keep it 100 sorry i don't want to sound like a trapper on your podcast a trapper just because you said 100 (laughs) 
Okay, <laughs> thanks for that intro. We'll get into the topic. I like to sometimes begin with a definition when I'm talking about something. So the Merriam-Webster definition of tough love is love or affectionate concern expressed in a stern or unsentimental manner as through discipline, especially to promote responsible behavior. I'll start off by asking you, do you feel like you were raised on tough love? I definitely think I was raised on some tough love. Um, borderline uh, abuse, but still tough oh, love. Oh, wow. <laughs> My mom would be more physical, you know, to make sure that I got the point that, like, you know, she wants me to do better, but... I feel like with my dad, my dad never really had to like, get physical with me, but my dad will, like, just his voice alone, like, you know? Everything that I, I, I think I went through growing up, I think it was definitely all just tough love. Personally, for me, my mom wasn't really as physical because, to be honest, I feel like maybe my family would disagree, but I feel like I never really did anything that crazy growing up to warrant, you know, the hot boring. slap or anything. The hot but- slap. <laughs> Like you said, you were raised on tough love. So give me an example. I just get beat. I just get beat. Like, there is no other way of putting it. With my mom, it was mainly, like I said, it was with my mom. For example, let's say if I didn't do good in school, like I got a bad grade or something, I come home, she looks at like the report card or whatever, starts yelling, starts cussing. Oh, what is, huh? Send you got school for fashion. I just cared about wearing all the new shoes and, you know, all the going out clothes because, you know, you have to keep your going out clothes and school clothes separate. But I just wore them all together. <laughs> yeah, like, so when she sees stuff like that, she'll get, like, very aggressive and starts yelling at you. And then they see, you know, go for the belt. It starts just beating you. Or not even sometimes, not even the belt. Like, it's just whatever she can find. But yeah, no, it's just like bad grades. Okay, I'm gonna bust your ass. The parent teacher thing. Oh man, when she she would go, and I kid you not, like the nicest lady ever. Just look, she looking at me, smiling. Teacher's like, yeah, he's struggling a bit here and there. You know, sometimes a bit disruptive in class. She's like, mm, okay, why are you disruptive, son? Yeah, you know, you gotta be quiet. And then she gives you that look at the same time. And then when we get in the car. And I go, boss, yeah. So I get to like that. That's what she says to me. And for context, Taji is Jamaican. I don't think you said that to make your upbringing make oh. more sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm Jamaican. So it doesn't really sound like it from what you've shared thus far. But would you say that you had a balance between compassionate love and tough love during your childhood? So compassionate love is characterized by reassurance, support, understanding, and empathy. Whereas tough love, we know, can include imposing consequences, imposing restrictions, boundaries, brutal honesty, and confrontation. Yeah, no, there was no balance at all. <laughs> None at all. No, there is no balance. Like, no, my mom was just like, no, nah, she just didn't play around. So it's just straight, straight to the beating. If there was ever a time where like she would show more compassionate love i think it was just her explaining why she's beating me that's about it <laughs> oh wow when your skin was still hot yeah that's pretty much it like you know she'd be like you know i don't want to beat you but you're not listening you know i'm doing this because tough love and it's like she has six kids five boys one girl and my sister is the last born i'm the eldest so you know she felt like because we're all boys she has to rough us up because she demands respect like to say, let's say, for example, I used to wake up late for school. This was like when I was in middle school. So the school is like literally three minute drive from the house. If you walk, it's like a 10 minute walk. Right? I wake up late for school. She gets up. She's 
cussing, she's cussing how I'm late for school. And like, let's say like the bell's gonna ring in five minutes and I have like five minutes to get there. She's not driving me to school. She's making me run to school and driving behind me and yelling at me to get to school. <laughs> no, <laughs> no like instead of her bringing me, yeah, I swear she's driving right behind me yelling at me and cussing at me to hurry up she'd drive behind me all the way till i get to the school i'm like well you could have just drove me to the school instead of yelling at me and making me run i mean you would think so if the issue was really you being late because then you could have gotten there faster yo that yeah. was thinking about that's so scary i remember even one time too i was late for school she took you used to have this like hard glass bowl thing like it was like a thick thick glass and one morning because i was late again she took it out Boom, right on my head top. That's for a huge cocoa. I have to wear a hat to school. I know we're making light of these things, but that's literally abuse. I'm sorry. That's pretty crazy. I mean, me personally, I don't have any stories that are that extreme. And my mom and stepdad do listen to this podcast. So, you know, I can't really say too much. But I remember one time I had taken paper from my mom's office because I wanted to write. Like, you know, I write. So... I took paper from a gift basket that she had gotten and I guess it was like special, you know, pretty paper with flowers on it. And to do that, of course, I had to open the gift basket that was obviously not addressed to me. And because of that, I was on the stairs where my mom obviously found her stuff opened and, you know, she she did get quite enraged. And when I was on the stairs, I don't know why I was on the stairs. Maybe I was just trying to run or hide. And she literally gave me like the hottest blow to my neck, my chest area, which is sounding really bad. But yeah, like the literal wind was knocked out of me (laughs) because like I opened her stuff without asking. So I get it. But like I just wanted to write. I mean, I'm grown now, so I can tell the story because, you know, children's aid can't really get involved now. (laughs) No, for real. That was like always the first, um, you know, the threat. Yeah, go on. Go on. Go tell them to me. I'll beat, you know. And then take it away from me. They know if you tell the teachers, they're going to tell the children aides. What's your take on tough love? Do you feel like it's helpful, especially with your experience? I, I do, personally. I feel like it was beneficial. I mean, to an extent. Like, it molded me into the, the man that I am now. Like, I, I'm a mannerable young man, you know. You got to do a lot for me to, like, you know, disrespect you and all those things. So I feel like it helped me a lot. Because I know how to treat other people. I know right from wrong, pretty much. So you feel like it helped you see like the consequences of your actions. So now you're more... It's not necessarily like, okay, like if I do this, my mom's going to beat me Like at this age. It's just more so like, I just know it's wrong. So like, you know, let's just stay away from doing that. Because I was raised better. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't get all those beatings for nothing. Yeah, I feel like personally, tough love to me is tricky because... As we all know, sometimes children, sometimes even we as adults need that little extra push to push us, which is often tough love, characterized by boundaries and brutal honesty to really get us to where we need to go. But I think tough love can be difficult because even you listed some examples where you literally may have needed support when it comes to studying or just overall guidance, but the response is always tough love. And I don't necessarily agree with that because Obviously, as parents, they use the tools that are available to them, but there's certain situations where you can't just apply the same kind of discipline and you can't just apply the same techniques because it's not really addressing the root issue that the child might be having. But I also feel like compassionate love, too much of that can be a negative because that's when people start to like try to 
take advantage pretty much because they know you're not going to do nothing. Just gonna sit you down and talk to you, or like you know, just gonna put you on timeout. Like no, sometimes you need a, a slap in your head so you get the point. Is that right? Wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I would beat kids, uh, my kids, but still, I would rough them up a little bit. I hit them with a pillow okay. or something, or a slice right, of cheese. Well, CPS, if you're listening, there's a future father <laughs> that you should visit. <laughs> That kind of brings me to my next question. So, of course, we've been talking about tough love so far in the context of, you know, a child-parent relationship. But, you know, there's all sorts of different types of relationships, and we'll see if we think tough love is appropriate in all of them. I came across a tweet, actually, when I was preparing for this episode, and it said that tough love in romantic relationships should not exist. And it was from a woman, by the way, for context, because it destroys a person's ability to confide in you or relate to you so she essentially doesn't agree with tough love in romantic relationships what do you think about this do you feel like tough love has a place in romantic relationships as well when it comes on to relationships uh my idea of tough love might be a little bit different from like parental tough love because okay like if it's my parents and they're showing me tough love i'm expecting like to get beat at this age it's more of just them talking to me more aggressive and you know, not giving me what I want. But in a relationship, obviously, I don't expect you to be beating your partner because you should not. But maybe my idea of it is not really necessarily tough love, but like being a supportive partner. If you see that your partner is not doing something that they're supposed to do, like, you know, studying for their exam, something along those lines, you should be assertive and let them know like they should be doing what they need to be doing. Like you said, the exam situation, you might be supposed to see your partner, but if they're not studying, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, then you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to see you today. You need to do what you need to do. That could be an example for some people as tough love. I feel like in friendships, it's easier, but when it's relationships, it can be tough, right? Because I feel like naturally out of a relationship, people expect that kind of soft self. They're able to take criticism and stuff like that from their partner, but they more so come to their partner for comfort and for, you know, supports, encouragement, stuff like that. But when you come to your partner and they're giving you harsh kind of feedback instead of the encouragement, it can be kind of difficult. So that's what I'm saying. I feel like it's a bit different from like the whole parenting side of things. But there's a place for tough love in every relationship. If somebody's doing something that is affecting them in a negative way, and you see it as a partner, like, of course, you're going to do whatever you have to do to make sure that or to try to make them stop because you care about them. You love them. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to make them see it. Me personally, I'm going to do whatever I got to do. I'm going to say that because if I love you, then I'm going to I'm going to love you with my whole heart. And loving you with my whole heart means that sometimes I'm going to have to slap you across your head for you to get the point. Okay, I'm well, I'm joking. Domestic <laughs> violence, you got to joke. Let's say you're in that same situation and the person is messing up. Do you feel like, because some people's version of tough love is threatening to end the relationship, threatening to stop seeing them. No, okay. I don't think you should be like, oh, no, I'm not going to see you. I'm going to break up with you. That's just stupid. Unless it's something that's becoming toxic for the both of you. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like you can impose consequences, but you shouldn't be threatening the person or holding something against them. As much as tough love is helpful, I feel like nobody's going to do something they don't want to do. For kind of the rest of the episode, we're going to get more into, you know, childhood, different topics like that. So this is a question that I found that I thought was interesting. So speaking in terms of your childhood, what do you think is something that you needed 
not a tangible thing per se. So something that you needed and didn't receive growing up. And I could go first if this is a, a tricky question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always put my guests on the spot. So I don't know. I feel like for me personally, something that I could say I needed but didn't receive is positive affirmations. Not necessarily affirmations, but I feel like speaking positive things over me. We see a lot of a rise of that nowadays parenting when you see TikToks like gentle parenting and whatever. Growing up, I feel like I always knew that I was smart, but I didn't really know anything outside of that. That was the only kind of positive encouragement I feel like I got. Obviously, you know, we're getting to the age where we're, you know, going to have future children someday. When you have little black girls and you're raising them, especially like you have to kind of be intentional about giving them those kind of affirmations and stuff like that so that they grow up confident. And I feel like I didn't get that. So I didn't really grow up confident, um, which started to become a problem, obviously, as I got older. Obviously, I didn't necessarily grow up with like a male figure like I didn't grow up with a present dad so I think that's definitely something that I may have needed and didn't have growing up so what about you okay I know it's gonna sound like I stole your idea but I can actually like that's where I relate to be honest those positive words of affirmation is where I I lacked and I felt like it would have helped a lot because my mom was always tough on me she wasn't really out there telling me like you know I'm proud of you I love you like you know maybe I love you here and there and I, it's not like I don't know she does, but like still, like just hearing it makes a difference, right? Um, you know, and then also growing up, not having my father figure at first, it was also very hard because, you know, it's always good like to have your mom, but there's some things that your mom just cannot do, if that makes sense, especially for a guy. I think it might be a little bit different for girls, right? But mm-hmm. um, I feel like, you know, as a guy, like I needed that male figure. When I did get my my dad, and for all those who might be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I, I got adopted. Um, and then, you know, like I felt like I was doing so much just for my dad to be proud of me because I never had one. The positive words of affirmation from him was something that I also needed. But, you know, obviously he wasn't used to that stuff either. So I feel like I lacked that because if I had it, then, you know, my self-confidence would have been a lot, a lot higher. But I had a little bit more confidence to talk to the gal them, but that's different. <laughs> it seemed like you had a lot of confidence in that area for me, but let me just mind my business. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the reason why we became friends. It's interesting that we had the exact same answer. Is that but, what it's called? Trauma, trauma bonding? Yeah, trauma bonding when you develop a friendship or like a connection through shared trauma. So maybe that's what happened here. But you were the, you were the one who was always giving me the positive affirmations so sometimes. You feel like I give you positive affirmations? Yeah, you always supported me. Except for when I was doing stupidness. Oh, that's such a nice thing to say. There's like a third member of this group. We didn't really acknowledge that. So we were like a trio in high school. So it was me, you, and Curtis. Shout out Curtis. I don't think you listen to my podcast. You're a little shady. So I feel like all of us had like similarities in certain experiences or just like we're able to relate in certain ways. But yeah, I'm glad I give you positive affirmations. I don't know what you do for me, but anyway... I wanted to touch on what you said, though, because you spoke about, you know, not having like a present dad and how it impacts young men, which is something I can't relate to. But I feel like it impacts women as well, because 
the dad in a lot of girls' life is like the first man who ever makes you feel special and sets the standard. Girls who had present fathers, like I just feel like they have a different type of confidence. They just carry themselves differently because they don't really seek or care about male validation as much because they already received it, you know? If you didn't receive that, I feel like it sets the tone for you to be a little bit insecure. Yeah, that's true. Discussing childhood trauma and childhood experiences, sometimes it seems like your childhood was all negative, but of course that's not the case. So what would you say is the opposite? So something that was helpful that your parents did or your childhood in general. So something helpful your parents did while raising you that you see the benefit of today. Um, well, the first thing I can think of is that they didn't give me everything that I wanted. And I know for some that might sound weird, but um, they didn't give me everything I wanted because they didn't want me to feel like in general in life, everything's just going to be handed to you, right? Some of the things you got to work for, right? So like it was a little bit harder for my mom to give me everything uh, because, you know, she has six kids and she's a single mother and things like that. My dad a little bit different, like he 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 could give me anything, like pretty much all, everything I wanted, but like even still, he still didn't. Um, and that helped me because now today I work very very hard, a bit too much sometimes, because of the tough love and all that stuff, taught me to be a very respectful young man. So you know, I respect, I give everybody respect, I always treat everybody with respect. That's the other thing that I think was very beneficial for me. Yeah, that's a good answer. I feel like you have like a quiet, mature persona. Like if someone was to just come up to you and you ask their first impression, I feel like you're just quiet to yourself with manners. But yes, I know I work too hard. Yeah, you work too hard. Even to record this podcast, I'm so sorry. This is not related. It's a struggle because Tajay works every single day, long hours, which is good. But like the struggle we went through to find this day, you guys better enjoy this episode because it was not easy to coordinate schedules. Enjoy, people. Oh, this is a perfect moment. Anybody who wants a card, let me know. (laughs) I'll help you out. Back to regular scheduled discussions i too had a single mother for most of my life until more so adulthood shout out to my stepdad who listens to this podcast you know roger you're the realist for me i had a good example of like an independent woman because i feel like my mom had four kids but three kids in the home because my oldest sisters wasn't like in the house because she was older i never really went without at all And like even where we lived in Brampton, I remember like most of my friends had two parent homes and I didn't. Housing, all that stuff in Brampton especially is not cheap. So just seeing my mom do it on her own and know at times that she was struggling, but we never felt it like we wouldn't know that unless she told us. So that example of independence, because no matter who came and went in her life, she was always solid. She didn't need anyone. If there was anyone there, it would be by choice. It's not from necessity. So I feel like I had that example I know how to like manage money and like manage myself, make sure I'm okay and not de- have to depend on somebody. But we're going to get into, of course, the main premise of this episode, which is how would you say your childhood has impacted the way you are today, particularly with the way that you give and receive love? And I'll answer first so I can inspire you because I know my questions are a bit deep. When somebody needs maybe like a pep talk or something, that's usually the role that I play. So I feel like because I didn't necessarily receive as much like words of affirmation or like emotional reassurance growing up, I feel like I try to be that for people. I might have a touch of daddy issues. I 
I'm very skeptical of men, I've realized. <laughs> and I don't say like I have trust issues or like a bad view of men, but because I didn't grow up with examples of positive men in my life until I was an adult, I just didn't believe almost anything a man <laughs> ever said to me, to be honest. Like I'm really skeptical of men and their intentions growing up around me. I don't have a lot of examples of men in marriages or men in committed relationships who are being loyal for one um but being also present like sticking around taking care of their family stuff like that I didn't have any examples of a man doing that even further down in my family to be honest so I feel like because of that my perception was just that you know men are constantly looking for the next best thing if he's in a relationship doesn't matter if he has children or whatever like he's gonna get up and leave and go and do him my dating experience was kind of limited when I went away to university. And then when it started to open up a bit, I was just very skeptical because I just was used to that perception of men being very finicky, moving on whenever they feel like not really playing that constant role that a man is supposed to play, being consistent. Like I just didn't believe that that was possible. I think that's how it kind of affected me, making me very skeptical, making me have a bit of trust issues the relationship with your dad, especially as a woman, it kind of sets the tone for your relationships with men. And because I kind of saw, I guess, what I feel like men are capable of, I was very closed off, to be honest. I don't know. I feel like I need constant reassurance. And it's actually bad. I'm the type of person, if I can have reassurance every single day, like multiple times a day, that would be my preference. Like, I just need to know that you still like me for real. I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to like the future of things. I tend to overthink I guess and I think that just comes from again childhood not really having those examples of positive relationships or like people speaking love and all this positive stuff about me so I feel like when somebody does I'm very skeptical it makes me very anxious yeah that's what I would say what about you how has your childhood impacted the way you are today particularly with the way that you give and receive love in general yeah i'm more of a supportive friend and like boyfriend if i see that somebody needs motivation like i always try to to give them that and like speak those positive words over them or to them because i know that i didn't always have that when i needed it um because of how I was raised. And sometimes it was just that my parents weren't always focused on giving me those positive words of affirmation because maybe they just don't think you need it, you know? Or they're also Jamaican, so they never got it themselves. I feel like when you when you live when you grow up in these like countries like Canada and start to learn more about yourself and like, you know, proper ways of parenting. So like yeah, definitely being more positive, speaking positivity, being more supportive. Um that's like the main thing I can think of, to be honest, right now off the top of my head. Yeah. Do you feel like it may have impacted the way that you receive love in relationships? So I feel like an example is maybe some people with, you know, those treacherous or turbulent childhoods tend to have like trust issues or maybe a bit of commitment issues or stuff like that. Do you feel like you can relate to that at all? Commitment issues, I <laughs> got Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to slip it because we had a conversation. So I was just trying to slip it in there and see if you can touch on it. Yeah, no, commitment issues I have for sure. 
uh, I guess from multiple things. And I don't think it was necessarily just because of how I was raised, but um, from when I looked back, uh, like how I was raised, not necessarily with my parents, but like family and just older males in my life, just telling me, you know, get every girl you can. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you have your one girl, just keep, just get everybody while you're young. Like, you know, obviously as you're young, you're not really thinking about, like, you're just thinking, okay, that's cool. It's cool to have that, right? It's cool to get as many girls as you can because that's what you were taught. So now when you actually start putting it into action, it becomes normal. Doing all that stuff made me start to realize, like, I can't commit to, like, one person because my worries are like, okay, what if I do it and then, you know, tomorrow I see a next gal and I'm like, oh, I want her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this one's prettier. But, like, no matter who you have, like, you're always going to f- see somebody that looks better. You're always going to see somebody that has something something that your partner doesn't have. Like, you have to learn how to just stick to the one you have and be happy with who you have. I learned that the more you start to search is when you start to get, like, depressed and, like, you start feeling unsatisfied. Stop searching because like, you already got what you need. Like, you know what I mean? The thing that we're all hunting down, which is technically just to be in between their legs, it all feels the same. Not at all feels the same, but it's all the same thing. At the end of the day, it comes to one con- like one conclusion. It's just to have the, am I allowed to say the O word, the orgasm on here? Yeah, yeah. You can- <laughs> it's just, all, all it is just to come to an orgasm. That's all it is. And then after that, it's just, it's another human being. At the end of the day, like, you have to put the sex and all that stuff to the side and just, like, look at the person for that, like, who they are and, like, what they have in them, their person, their personality, like, all those things. Because that is going to override mm, partially all the sex stuff. You are the last person I would ever expect to say something like that. That's how you know it's true because, you know, men, if you're listening, Tajay said it first. I feel like this reminds me of, like, this is kind of unrelated, but there was, like, a tweet that I had seen where it was saying that men... Most of the time, men will have 90% of what they want in a woman, but they'll always leave for the 10%. So that 10% might be, you know, the body or the, I don't know, whatever else. But it's just the 10% that you may feel like your girlfriend or your person is missing. You'll go and leave the person who had the 90% just to experience 10%. Sometimes it's not worth it. That's very interesting advice that you were getting from the men in your family. That even proves the point I was saying that, I was so skeptical of men because this is <laughs> this is the reason. It's because I think that we're just men and women. I feel like we're all like we're raised differently. So the men or not all of them, but probably most of the Jamaican men at least, we're told to get every guy you can, right? Girls are taught to keep to yourself, don't give it up like that, like you know, things like that. You guys are taught completely different things. So while we're out here trying to hunt down the gal, then you guys are over there trying to keep to yourself. So it's completely different things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I don't think I have commitment issues, but I think I have like fears of like cheating, fears of stuff like that, because that's like what I've seen. So that's kind of why I was like more hesitant, even like in my relationship. I don't know if you remember, but when we first, when he first approached me, I was very hesitant. I was like downplaying it a lot. You know, I was kind of cold to him. <laughs> so just because I'm like, yeah, no, like I can't take anyone's son seriously because I don't know what you're about to do to me, but I just don't want to. So I don't think I have commitment issues, but I feel like the skepticism of men made me be like super cold, super closed off. 
But yeah, I'm working on it. I feel like I've worked on it because look at me now. You're like a 10-year relationship. I think you definitely worked on it. We're kind of coming to the end, but I have a couple more questions for you. I don't know. I think this question would be something I specifically want to ask you. So they say that strict parents create sneaky children and you were raised in kind of a stricter environment, especially from what I remember. I remember one time that we went to the mall and you were ducking and diving. I was really confused um, why you couldn't be seen in public. But, you know, you were obviously raised in like a stricter upbringing where you couldn't really participate in a lot of things that people our age were doing. So when it comes to that saying about strict parents, what do you feel like happened in your case? Do you feel like that caused you to be more sneaky? And how did you cope with getting freedom when you became old enough to do whatever you wanted to do? Uh, I do think that it causes your children to be more sneaky because I was sneaky, um, at least with my dad, because I didn't have to be sneaky with my mom. After a while, my mom didn't care about anything. So, but my dad, holy, it's like I was living in a prison. <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, I'll just send it to him personally. <laughs> no, but like my dad was very, very strict. Like I couldn't go out. I don't like I couldn't have not like couldn't have friends, but there is no going to no friend's house and you know doing all the no, no partying. There's no none of that. None of that existed. So, like, I even got my phone taken away for, like, years. I had to sneak around. I had, like, two, two, three devices at once, actually, after he took away my phone. The trap phone. Pretty much. <laughs> like, but, yeah, no, I was, I was very, very sneaky, very sneaky. I was going places I shouldn't have been. So I've, I learned that, like, sometimes being strict isn't always as helpful. It's okay to make your child know, like, don't play with me. But being strict to the point where they have to just become sneaky is just, it's not a beneficial thing for a parent because now they're doing it and you just don't know about it. They're going to do it anyways. So you might as well just like be less strict, have better communication with them. And then that way you can guide them better. The second part of that question was, so since you had such a strict upbringing like you couldn't even go to the mall with me without ducking and diving how do you feel <laughs> like you handled your freedom once you got it yeah like even though i got the freedom i was still mature so i knew what to do what not to do the most i really did to be honest with you was just go to parties because i never really went to, i never got to experience parties so like last year like i was going to all the parties that like you could like every day yeah i saw that I saw that on your Instagram or your Snapchat, and I was like, what is going on? Like, you don't even dance, for real. <laughs> like, I don't. I was going through a phase. Like, I was really going through a phase because, like, I just yeah, wanted to be outside. Shut up. But, yeah, no, I just wanted to be outside. I wanted to experience what everybody else was experiencing. I never got to experience it, and it was, it was great. Not it was cool. That. But, like, it becomes so repetitive, in my opinion. So it was like, after a while, I'm like... Man, I'm not even missing out on anything. I'd rather go and like go on do an adventure. That's yeah, what I prefer go to, to do. The woods and stuff. Yeah, cause uh, no, not the woods. <laughs> but like, <laughs> no, like you know what I learned? A lot of these people out there, they're going to the clubs, spending all this money, and then they really don't even have any money. And then the people who are like, you see these big top shotas, big ballers, they're all scammers, or they're all doing drugs. <laughs> so like, that's where all the money's coming from. It's like this mental. Like it's a it's a it's a trick. 
So like, and I, I actually found myself I almost got caught in that circle one time because I was like, yo, I wanted to get all these bottles and I wanted to like, you know, make all the bottle girls come to me so people who think, I, but like nobody cares. And you're going up against people who are scammers and freaking drug dealers. So you're there trying to spend your local hard-earned money you worked for your nine to nine to five. You look, you know. <laughs> yeah and these guys are over here just swiping people's cards and paying for stuff and you're trying to go up against them how I, i'm not saying don't have fun like go out there go party once in a while whatever do your thing but it's just it's not for me everybody's different yeah definitely well i'm glad you were able to handle the freedom because some people go from that strict household to literally in the club every single day and i guess you were doing that but it's a good thing that you stopped so for the last portion of the episode, we're just going to discuss emotional intelligence real quick. So emotional intelligence is defined by, well, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, which is defined as the ability to recognize, understand, and deal skillfully with one's emotions and the emotions of others by regulating one's emotions or by showing empathy and good judgment in social interactions. So if someone were to ask you if you consider yourself emotionally intelligent, would you say yes? Would you say no? Um, I would say yes. I think before I was a little bit better at it. Now, not as much. But I think I am because I like I went through like this phase where uh, I lost like the love of my life and I was hurting. I was broken. So, yeah, like I was going through like that healing phase. You know, I learned a lot about myself why i was doing certain things and why other people would respond and react like i was just learning like you know i was learning a lot so i became very intelligent where it could where it came onto emotions now i'm like you know i'm out of that phase yeah like i'm out of that phase but because of my job like i like i have to read body language i have to be able to um i still have to also be like somewhat emotionally intelligent right so i guess i'm still i still have it yeah i'm pretty good at it i guess how did you learn to properly express your emotions and be vulnerable in your relationships and friendships or do you struggle to do that how it happened for me was uh yeah like the love of my life you know i was with her and being comfortable with somebody will allow you to start being vulnerable so yeah, like I, I felt like I had somebody I could trust. I could tell I could tell them anything and it wouldn't be used against me. And I learned that it was okay to be vulnerable. You know, some people feel weak when they when they make themselves vulnerable, but you're really not. Did you used to feel weak when you made yourself vulnerable? Yeah. Like when I felt vulnerable and I was touching like some deep things, like sometimes like I would cry. Right? Cuz it's not stuff we talk about in general. So you know, it would make me cry and like I feel weak for crying sometimes. But I realize like, you know, it's okay to cry. Like I'm a human being at the end of the day. So yeah. I'm a man. Real men cry. Yes, I do. I'm happy to, you know, hear that because I feel like, you know, you've come a long way from what I see and like just like how you carry yourself and stuff. And, you know, I feel like the commitment issues, maybe we could work on that. <laughs> You know, the emotional intelligence. I'm glad to hear that you're able to properly express your emotions and stuff. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. I think it's been a good conversation thus far as to your childhood. You were very vulnerable and I appreciate that. You know, you telling us all the different things that you've been through and, you know, how you were sneaking out the house and whatever else. <laughs> 
So thank you for joining me, Tajay. You can just say bye to the viewers, the listeners. You know, just say bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, bye, guys. And again, if you are looking for a car, you want to finance, you want to pay cash, whatever you want to do, you need some, you have some questions. I'm here to help. I work at Frost GM. You can hit me up on my cell phone, 647. And I'm not taken, by the way. So you you want me to put your literal phone number in the episode? <laughs> that is fine. Not even uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. You just want to plug your... Thank you, Jada, so much for having me on your podcast. I definitely appreciate it. And it was great. Hopefully this helps somebody out there all the way over in Brazil or something. You know, I have listeners all over the world, period. And yeah, as Tajay said, I'm going to have his Instagram in the episode details so you can hit him up if you'd like to purchase a car. Um, We probably won't be paying cash as the economy is failing. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time, sincerely, Jada.